My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 133. Okay, let me ask you a question. Oh, by the way, this is Lenny Lawson, the Car Guru. Thanks for tuning in. So here's the question. How long are you willing to stick with a project? Now, I know it takes... Probably, probably the one of the, the uh, longest projects most of us have is building a house. Would you agree with that? It took me longer to build a car dealership building than it did to build my house. But I'll tell you this, building my house was more stressful than the car dealership because I really couldn't afford to be building that house at the time. But yeah, uh, that, that is a long project. You know, you're talking, what, three to six months? Took us about nine, eight months to build the car dealership. That's a pretty long project. I have had a car restoration project going for well, going on three years now, and I'm frustrated. When I started, we had about oh, nine months before I wanted to be able to drive that thing to the Amelia Island Concorde Elegance, which is a Huge car show that I go to every year. That was my plan. I was going to drive this thing. I fit nine months. And the guy that was doing it for me said, yeah, we can get it done. Well, we missed that year's car show. So I said, surely we can get it done for the next car show. Yeah, we'll get it done for that car show. Yeah, you know what's going to happen here. Missed that one too. So we're coming up on the third one. And I, I don't want to miss it. So where are we? This is a car hauler. This was a uh, junker truck, 1952 Ford F4 truck. It had a flatbed on it. It had stakes on the side, you know, kind of like a like what you'd see on a farm. And it was just had bullet holes all over it, bullet holes through the glass and you know, the seat had the springs were sticking up through the seat. It hadn't run in a long time. The engine wasn't locked up, but it was not far from it. And just rust everywhere. And I knew it was going to be a long project. But, you know, three years? We ought to see it now. Now it is a, well, it's seven feet longer than it was because we had to cut the frame and stretch it. Oh, by the way, we didn't use the same frame uh, because that old frame was too rusty. We didn't use the same cab because the cab was too rusty. We got rid of the bed. We got rid of pretty much everything. The only thing I was able to keep from that original truck was the right door, uh, the hood, and it was marginal. Probably shouldn't have kept it. Um, the grill, the part behind the grill, the grill support and the radiator support. And I'm, that's about it. Everything else is either brand new or I had to go get a donor truck, you know, find another one in a junkyard to put it together. So basically what it looks like is an old, well, like a vintage truck. You've seen the trucks from the 50s. It's that, you know, just single cab. It's not an extended cab. And it um, is blue, and it has red seats. I know you don't, that's not normal, but it's, it's a beautiful truck. So that's the cab. The the uh, the frame, it was from an ambulance. And we took the ambulance body off, took the uh, van. It was a cutaway van body. We took that off, and we used the frame. Got rid of the, the old diesel engine. 
took the engine out of a, uh, let's see, 1968 Ford Thunderbird. It's a 429 Thunder jet that we completely overhauled. That's a big block motor. And, you know, it has probably, well, we rebuilt it. I think it has about 375 horsepower and about, it's pushing 500 foot-pounds of torque. So it'll, it should do pretty good in this truck. It is going to suck the gas, though, that's for sure. I put a serpentine belt system on it, just like a modern car. Fuel injection, like a modern car. Ceramic headers. So it's pretty. When you raise the hood, people will go, ooh, that's nice. And so we took the frame off this uh, ambulance and stretched it seven feet. Cut the frame in half. Got uh, some additional frame rails and then just welded it all back together. Then built this bed, stick built a flat bed with a little dovetail on it so that we can make it easier to load vehicles. I'll still have to use ramps. But my intention was to be able to haul cars on it, you know, deliver customer vehicles for my dealership, Gateway Ford or Gateway Nissan. You know, if somebody wants it delivered to their house, then this would be a really cool vehicle to deliver with. So that's what we're going to do if they ever finish it. But my, my main goal, though, I mean, really, the goal of goals was to put an antique car on the back of that thing and drive to Amelia Island, park it, unload the antique car, drive that antique car around while, you know, the shows and everything are going on because you have to do a lot of moving around. And, you know, and there's always somebody wanting to look at your cars and stuff, and it's just, you know, it's just a paradise for car lovers. But that's what I wanted to do. And I'm hoping, I'm still hopeful. I talked to the guy that's doing it, and I said, surely we can get it done. All we like now is to uh, the, have to weld in the seat frames, have to insulate the cab, have to put on door panels, which that's real pretty pretty easy. It's completely wired, engines ready to go, drive shafts are installed, transmissions hooked up, wheels are mounted. I mean, it's it's just buttoning up just some final details. So I'm hoping that uh, Mr. Parton will will finish this thing and I'll be able to use it. So. Sometimes you just have to hang in there. You know, there's a, a lot of projects that don't get done. Would you agree with that? My wife would say, yeah, they sure don't. She's talking about things that I'm supposed to do around the house. I'm sure you have a few of those too. But, yeah, you know, these projects, they get, they get drawn out, and a lot of people buy antique cars, and they don't own a car dealership, and they don't have technicians, and... You know, while my project has taken three years, their project never gets done, and it ends up taking up garage space and has a bunch of boxes stacked on top of it. Admit it, you probably have a car. If you're a car person, you probably have one in the basement that's just sitting. And that's really hard on cars. You know, they need to be driven. You know, even though this thing's been sitting for all these years, the motor was rebuilt two years ago. So we've been able to hook up a battery and, and turn it on you know, turn it over and, and run it so that it, um, you know, doesn't just sit. Because that's terrible for a car. Rust can build up inside of an engine, even though it's all oiled and stuff, if that oil isn't circulating. All kinds of bad things. Moisture can build up inside the engine. So we're getting there. You know, my Mustang project, my 65 Mustang, it's been going on for probably two years. And it's sitting in my showroom down here at Gateway. Yeah, if you live close to uh, Greenville, Tennessee, Upper East Tennessee, you need to come visit. I mean, I've got 
really cool stuff in the showroom and we can sit and talk and bring you back to my museum. Another name for my office. Okay, I'm going to take my first break. I'll be back here in just a minute. You know, I have fussed a lot about this three-year project. And, you know, while all of that was going on, I probably had four or five more car projects going on and selling, buying and selling a bunch of cars on bringatrailer.com. And, you know, and I fuss about the things that don't get done. But, you know, I get so bored if I don't have multiple projects going on. If I just have one, that's not enough. I need more. Are you like that? Do you have to have a project? I think it keeps us moving and motivated and uh, active. Like, I've got to find a bunch of parts right now. Not for that project, for this uh, 1970 Bronco that I bought. Yeah, this guy called me one day and said, I heard you might be a prospect for a Bronco. And, of course, I'm hoping that it's a like a 66 through 77 Bronco, you know, the original Ford Bronco. And it was. It's a 1970 model. Said that his dad had bought it, and he was five years in to this project. Does that sound familiar? Five years in to restore a Bronco. So the Bronco sat at this engine shop out in, well, I'm not going to say where. It was at a guy that, that rebuilds motors and does a lot of mechanic work and stuff like that. And so the owner of the vehicle was completely, well, quite often changing the game on the guy that was doing the work for him. He would change his mind repeatedly. There was no plan that was a consistent plan. That's one of the things. You've got to have a plan. Just like when you're building a house, you got to have house plans. And, yeah, I mean, there's going to be changes and stuff. You might pick a different wallpaper or some different flooring or something like that. But at least there's a plan to go by. And when you're restoring a car, you got to do the same thing. Everybody has to be on the same page, and somebody has to be in charge of that project. Well, when the guy that's in charge of the project keeps changing the game, and, uh, you know, it makes it tough on the guy that's doing the work. So the guy just said, I'm done with this. I'm just pushing it outside, and that's what he did. And then the gentleman who owned the car passed away. Well, money was owed. And so the son who inherited the vehicle ended up finding out what it was and, and paid the money and then put it in storage and then found out about me, that I like Broncos and restoring stuff. So he called me. I went down. It was stuck in a warehouse, went down and looked at it, and it was uh, a 1970 Ford Bronco. The engine was completely overhauled, so they had that done, but the rest of it was... Well, the body was solid, but it had the wrong seats in it. The wiring was hanging out everywhere. You open up the hood, there's an engine, but there's no carburetor. Uh, the steering gear was not hooked up. You know, all the brakes, the rear diff, everything underneath the car just looked, didn't look like real rust, it just surface rust, but it was not nice. And so we started negotiating, and he told me what he wanted for the vehicle, and it was about $10,000 too much. You know, based on, because I know how much it costs to restore these things. Plus, even I have a hard time getting things done. So I have to be a realist here. So he told me what he wanted. And I said, listen, I just can't do it. It's just, I don't want to insult you or whatever. He said, well, what do you have in mind? And I told him. And so he, he moved a lot and I moved a little and, and now I own a Bronco. So that Bronco is sitting up there. It's in line. I have to make a decision though. Could I sell it like it is? 
I mean, I paid real close to $20,000 for the vehicle. I could sell it as a project, but I've got to get it to a certain point in order to be able to sell it to the to the average person. Now, somebody who restores cars and, and knows cars and stuff like that, um, then they wouldn't worry about the state that it's in because they would want to finish it the way they want it to be. So I have have a decision to make. The easiest thing for me to do is just sell it. How do I sell it? Well, folks, I have had a lot of luck lately on Facebook Marketplace. I mean, I have sold, I used to sell everything on bringatrailer.com. But it is such a pain to do that because you have to take really good pictures, a whole bunch of pictures. You have to get all the history together. They have this huge, long questionnaire you have to answer. And then you submit it, and probably it takes about 30 days for them to get back to you and say, well, what do you want? Uh, We can't do it. We can't sell it for that kind of reserve. Because when you sell something or bring a trailer, you either tell them, that you don't want any reserve. So whatever it brings, it brings. Or you say, well, I want a minimum of $30,000 for it. Well, if they think that's too much, they won't list the car. And so you have to either go down on your reserve or you have to pull it. And so the last couple auctions that I tried to do with them, I had to, uh, we just couldn't agree on the reserve. So I said, well, heck with this. I'm just going to sell it on Facebook Marketplace. I'm going to list it on Facebook Marketplace. Well, I did. The first vehicle that uh, that I decided to do it that way sold it within probably three days. 1948 Lincoln Continental convertible. And so uh, these people came from Illinois. You know, the reach that you have with the Internet. So if you've got an old car, something in your basement or whatever, pull it out of the garage and get it cleaned up as nice as you can, get all the boxes out of it, you know, vacuum it out, make it look good, and then take a bunch of pictures. And then write a good description of the car. If it's not running, get it running, because it'll bring a whole lot more money if people can turn the key and it starts and goes vroom, vroom. Uh, if, If it won't start, then it creates a lot of doubts. Now, if it's been sitting for a long time and you don't have the money to do it, just tell them that on your listing and say that, you know, the motor has not turned over in, in eight years. And then they know what they're dealing with. Uh, it'd be far better if you could get it to turn over. Because, again, that, that makes a big difference for folks. But get the thing cleaned up. Get it out of your garage and take good pictures of it with a decent background. You know, if you've got a bunch of garbage cans behind it and or, you know, the kids play things all over the place, don't do it that way. Take it to a nice little creek. Take pictures in front of the creek. People like creeks. Or out in the middle of a pasture. You know, that's always good. But take pictures of the engine compartment. And if you know somebody that has a lift, put it up on a lift. Take underside pictures of it. And then open all the doors. Take pictures of the interior, the trunk. um, And then take some good pictures away from it. Artistic. Now, don't change the color. Don't modify the colors. You know, a lot of people do that. They'll have a you know, the camera just doesn't really show the colors very well, and they start modifying it. And that's kind of dishonest. You know, you want the car to be what it is because you don't want somebody to drive all the way from Chicago, look at your car, and it doesn't look anything like the pictures because the deal will fall apart. You know, when I sold that 48 Lincoln, I mean, I told them everything that was wrong with it and told them everything that was wonderful about it. 
you know, and, and how good it drove and stuff like that. But it had flaws, and I disclosed those flaws. And you know what they did? They said they appreciated that. It made them feel more comfortable. I said Chicago. They came from Lafayette, Indiana. Or, yeah, Lafayette. Isn't that where Purdue is, I think? Yeah, and he owned a, a coffee shop over there. But they came and saw the car. Lenny, it's exactly the way you describe it. And so we, we didn't have to negotiate any. He was happy with the price. And so, you know, if you're honest about the car. Now, if you don't know how to evaluate a car, get somebody who does know how to evaluate a car. Now, what the way I do it, if somebody wants me to sell a car for them, I charge, depending on the, the selling price of the car, um, because I have to work just as hard to sell a $10,000 car as I do to sell a $100,000 car. And so, but if I'm uh, charging a percentage like 5 to 10% of the selling price, then, you know, it, it's not something I really enjoy doing. I don't like working for total freebie. This is free. This show's free, but I don't like working, you know, on a, on a deal like that. It takes way too much time. And plus, you have to deal with the buyers, and you have to handle all the phone calls and stuff. So I typically charge 5% on anything over $50,000. And then I have a graduated scale for anything below $50,000. So, but I have a great deal of success selling stuff online. And uh, if you look at bringatrailer.com, I have very high ratings there, too. So that helps. And plus, it doesn't hurt that I own car dealerships. I tell people I'm a Ford dealer and. Greenville, Tennessee, been in the car business for 45 years. It gives you credibility, um, more so than than just an individual, you know, that's selling a vehicle. So if you've got an old car to sell, I'd be more than happy to help you with it. But understand that it it's got to be something that's rare or unique, desirable. If it's got four doors on it, Unless it's a Mercedes or a Rolls-Royce or a Pierce Arrow, you know, something from the 30s or something, then four doors, it's got too, too many doors. And uh, it'll still sell, possibly, on Facebook Marketplace. I mean, you take a, a four-door 63 Chevy Impala, SS. Well, it won't be an SS. Let's say a four-door Chevy Impala versus a two-door Chevy Impala with a big block motor and a four-speed manual transmission It says SS on the side. There's thirty to forty thousand dollars difference between those two, and the four door is not going to bring much money, because they're not desirable. So you just have to think about those kind of things, and that's the kind of advice that I can give you. You know, you can go to Haggerty.com, and you—that's a great place to go look and get a general idea what antique cars are worth. You might have to uh, create a login and a password in order to be able to use it, but it doesn't cost anything. And it will classify cars for you from, from you know, just rough to, to concour. And you just have to be honest, you know, about what the condition is and stuff. But that will give you a good idea. But you probably won't find a four-door uh, Country Squire. Well, that'd be a station wagon. You know, a Ford LTD four-door from the 70s. It won't even be listed in there because they don't have any value. But if it's, uh, you know... 66 Mustang Fastback, it's in there. And you can find out real close what it's worth. Okay, I'll take my last break. I'll be back here in just a minute. You know, I have people call me a lot saying, Hey, Lenny, what's a 68 Camaro worth? Well, that's like saying, what's a house worth? 
You know, I need a lot more information than that. And like, is it a six-cylinder Camaro? Is it a, or is it a Z28? You know, is it an RS or an SS? What engine does it have? What V8 engine does it have? What's the condition? Is it rusty? You know, has it been restored before? Or is it, you know, all original? I mean, there's so many different things you have to find out. And, and then you really, you have to see the car. I mean, you have to actually, and I do this all the time. I travel. I love going looking at cars and finding them in somebody's garage and pushing them out and evaluating those cars and either helping them sell the car or helping them make a decision about restoration or whatever or buying the car. You know, I've got so many projects going right now. I don't need to buy anything else for a while, but I did just buy a new car trailer. So that should give you an indication that I'm still in the market. I haven't told my wife about it yet, though. Hopefully she'll understand. I've sold a bunch of cars. I probably, the biggest collection I sold was 42 cars. And I sold those 42 cars one at a time. And it was a lot of work. It took about three years, but it was such a blessing to get the, to know the guy who owned it. Wonderful, wonderful man. And uh, he passed away not too long ago, but just uh, we were able to work together and, and I was able to coach him and how to, how to make a car really sell in a modern world, um, even though it's an antique. And, you know, he was an antique. Heck, I'm an antique. But I, but I do understand this, and I can help people with it. If you have an old car and you need some help trying to figure out what to do with it, just call me, 423-552-2020. I'll help you out. Thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru, and I'll see you next time.